Hello. Thank you for listening to the sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allows you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. So last week we looked at Jesus and um, the incarnation, the coming of God in flesh, becoming a man, God becoming a man. We looked at the importance of the King, Jesus, coming and fulfilling the different requirements and the different uh, needs of that king, the king of David's line, a son of David. And so this morning we'll want to continue in looking at the incarnation, um, the Bible's Christmas message to us. We want to look at Jesus as Savior. If you're like me, maybe you've heard that term a lot, Savior, Jesus is Savior. Um, This morning, I, I It may not be something new for you, but I want to uncover some things that will maybe help remind us. Why is it so critical that Jesus had to come in flesh to be our Savior? And so um, Jesus' name um, points to the purpose and the role of the incarnation. And so we want to look at that this morning. Um, If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke um, just as we did last week, I don't have quite as many um, texts that I'm going to look through, but you can flip with me, and uh, you can write them down as well. But we're going to flip quite a bit, looking at the, this different these different terms about Savior. Luke one thirty one. Luke one thirty one. When um, when the angel comes to Mary, he talks to Mary about um, her having a child. And uh, she was a virgin, so she uh, was, was confused about how this was going to happen. But as the angel explained to her, um, he, he said that you are going to conceive in your womb, and you're going to bear a son, and that you are going to name him Jesus. Again, this is a term, just as we saw last week, Messiah, King. Um, this is a term that we often will read and uh, I have a little wood plaque from one of the vacation Bible schools that I was in as a kid, and it has the word Jesus. But in it, it's, it's kind of like a, a brain puzzler. It's a, a, it's a mind game because um, it just looks like a piece of wood with little pieces of wood in the middle of it. But if you look in between, it spells out the word Jesus. And so this morning, when we look and we hear this word Jesus, I want us to, to think not just in the terms of, oh, that's Aaron, or that's Paul, or that's Lisa, or Maggie. It's not just a word. It means something. It's significant. And so here's the angel coming before Mary saying, you will have a son, and you will call his name Jesus. To make sure that they're on the right or on the same page, an angel also appears to Joseph, right? In Matthew 1, and you can flip over there if you want, Matthew 1, 20 through 21, the angel comes and talks to Joseph. It says, but as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for what For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. 
not only was Mary and Joseph told about this baby that was going to be told or going to be born, but the shepherds were told. These guys who were out in the field, an occupation that was not really looked upon or, uh, as something as a doctor or a scholar, um, but the angel comes to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2, and the angel says this in verses 8 through 12. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, Jesus, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling claws and lying in a manger. So when we look at this word Jesus, it comes from the Hebrew term Yeshua, or that's a shortened term for Yehushua. Yay. Say it. Yes, I should bring you a microphone. Yehoshua which we would know in English terms as Joshua, all right? So Joshua, as we look at Joshua in the Old Testament and how God uses Joshua to deliver the people of Israel, it's a foreshadowing of Jesus, okay? And so um, this term comes from the term Yahweh, meaning God, and Yasha, which means to save or to deliver, so ultimately, Jesus means God saves, or God delivers, or God helps. And so when we see that term Jesus, it's God coming down in human form to help us, to save us, to deliver us. And so when we, anytime we speak the name, the word Jesus, we are referring to him as Savior, Deliverer, rescuer, and helper. Which begs the question then, what do we need delivered from? What do we need saved from? Rescued from who? We all need help, but how is Jesus going to help us? Well, that's what we want to look at. Um, I remember being, as these children were before us, sitting in my Sunday school class. And Mrs. Darlene Massey, Mrs. Massey, was sharing the story of Jesus and how Jesus died on the cross for me, for us as children. She said, for all of us, Jesus died for us, and he took our place. And she said, we need that because we need saved from our sins. And she talked about the disobedience as children and at that age, I knew very well what disobedience was. I was pretty good at it. Five, six years old, I know it's hard to imagine, but I spent some time in the principal's office in the kindergarten and first grade and second grade. And yeah, I even got paddled back in the day at school and a lot at home. So I knew what sin was. And so when Mrs. Massey talked about being saved from sin... I knew I was a good candidate that needed help. 
And so that day, I remember staying after and praying with her and asking God to save me. I didn't really fully understand at that age what that meant, but I knew enough to know in childlike faith that I needed somebody to save me so that I could have the hope of heaven. Because of the condition that I was in, I was a sinner and I deserved death. I deserved a place called hell away from God forever. And I didn't want that. And I knew I was guilty. I knew I was bad. I still am bad. I was saved at a young age. Saved from my sin. We see in the scriptures a lot about being saved. We see a lot about what it means to have physical healing, about being saved from enemies, being delivered from disasters, being healed from sufferings. We see people, as Jesus speaks to them, offering a forgiveness of their sin. We also read about the last days and being delivered in the last days. We also see in the text, the word of God, that there's many different tenses of this word saved. There have been saved, being saved, or will be saved. So saved isn't just a one-time deal. The text tells us actually that God is in the process of continually saving people, his children, those who he loves. To Joseph, the angel says, I will save my people from their sins. It's a term that we don't like to talk a lot about today, even though I made fun of it a little bit ago. Uh, I did that in such a way that you can all relate. As we get older, we don't want to talk about sin. A lot of people don't want to be confronted with the reality of what we do and how it can be um, misunderstood or having different motives or I'm allowed to do whatever I think is right. Well, when we look at what the Bible says about sin, there's a Hebrew term and there's a Greek term. Hebrew term is hata. The Greek is hamartia. And it means to miss the mark or to stray from the path. I always remembered this as a young child, again, to miss the mark, to see the bullseye. That's what I always envisioned was the bullseye. And I remember having a little, it was just a little red bow, a bow and arrow set that my brothers and I got when we were just little. And I remember we would go out and set up a bale of straw or hay we put a target on there and we would try to hit it. We lost several arrows because we couldn't hit the mark. And so for me, when I, when I hear that missing the mark, that's what, I, that's what comes to my mind. What's interesting is, though, there's, there's also this other picture, though. It's not only missing the bullseye. It's to wander off the path. And so I offer this to you this morning to, for us to, to think about, to challenge you, 
because it's not only just missing the mark. Sin means that I'm, I'm being led to a different path. And, you know, in counseling with people throughout the years, there's not too many people who aren't willing to say, you know what, I'm not sure how I got here. I don't think it just happens one day where you, where you, okay, I'm living my life this way, and all of a sudden I'm over here, and I don't know what happened to the depth of my life, and everything I feel is lost. It is a strain away from the path that God desires. God's word tells us what that path looks like. All throughout his word, he shows us what the path should look like, what God's desire and his intent is for our lives. The best passage that I found that sums this up is in Micah, Micah 6, 6 through 8. And I want to read that for you. If you want to turn there, you, you can. Again, make you work a little bit in the Old Testament. It's after Obadiah and Jonah. It's before Nahum. In my favorite named book, Habakkuk, Micah 6, 8, 6, 6 through 8. Micah, prophet, said this, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with a thousand of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? And then he sums it up in this way. He's asking questions and ultimately saying, how much do I have to give to pay for my sin? How much should I give to this God who delivers me and saves me? Micah answers and he says this, has, he has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. To do justice, that word justice is a sentence or a decree. It's a divine law. God has given us his word. He's given us explanation. And God desires for us to do justice, that we not as the judges, we are not the judge, but before the almighty judge that has already ruled and laid out the requirements of what his path should look like, we are to do justice. This term to steadfast love, it's a Hebrew word, hesed, kindness or loving kindness. It goes back to the Psalms, ultimately referring to God's loving kindness. His loving kindness endures forever. His hesed, it's amazing, it's mercy, it's kindness. His, God's loving kindness endures forever. The prophet is saying, hey, to do justice, but to also extend what? Loving kindness, that same Hesed, that loving kindness that endures forever from our God, we are to live out. That's part of the path that God desires. And then to walk humbly with your God. A reference back to the book of Genesis. Not only did Adam and Eve talk and walk with God, but then we see also in Genesis 5.22, this character Enoch, 
And we don't know a lot about him, but the text tells us that he walked with God. And so in the listing of all these people who were living and then dying, here is this man who it talks about he walked with God in such an intimate way that you're waiting for the text to tell you that he died after so many years, but it's not there. What's the difference? This man walked with God. He followed the path. That's what God desires for us. Was Enoch perfect? No. Neither was Elijah. And yet God caught him up. We see this reference not only in the Old Testament in this passage here in Micah, but Jesus, the Savior, will point to this over and over again in his teachings. And so we see this mentioned in Isaiah 58. I want to show you this text real quick. I know that's out of order there, Alana. I just appreciate everybody who's in the back. Poor Lene last week was flipping through all of them, and Alana this week. Thank you. But Isaiah 58 Verses 6 through 10. Isaiah writes, Is not this the fast that I chose to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go, go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and to bring the homeless poor into your house? When you see the naked, to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer, and you shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, and the speaking of the wickedness, if you pour, if you pour yourself out for the hungry... And satisfy the desire of the afflicted. Then shall your light rise in the darkness. And your gloom be as the noonday. Now flip over to the book of Matthew. Matthew 25. And let's read what Jesus has to say. In verses 35 through 45. I'll actually start in verse 34. It won't be up there, but then you can continue with me in 35. It says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? The king will answer them, truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. 
I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, you did not visit me. And they will also answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? And he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as, the, as you did not do it unto one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away in eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Don't misunderstand. Jesus is not saying here that we obtain righteousness by doing these items. We don't do these things to earn the favor of God. We do these things because we've experienced the favor of God. We live out our lives because Jesus has saved us. In so doing, we often, not only did we miss the mark and we've strayed from the path when we realize we need a Savior from our sins, but it is easy to continue to stray off our lives at different times in our life, and we miss the whole purpose of why we're left here as Christ's followers, Jesus' followers. It's summed up in Micah. Jesus shares it in this story. Jesus will continue to share it as he meets with his disciples and teaches and trains them. He takes the Ten Commandments and he boils them down into two. And he says, this, you are to love God with all of who you are. And the second commandment is like it. You are to love your neighbor as yourself. Upon these the whole law and prophets are built upon. They hold them together. So when we look at Jesus as Savior, he saves us from, and I want to give you four things. The one is our sins. We talked a little bit about that already. Our sins, not only the current right here now sin, but our sin in the past and any sin in the future. I don't know about you, but that's an amazing God that would extend great mercy and kindness and grace that would offer me salvation, not in just one moment, but forever. While Jesus saves us from our sin, he doesn't always save us from the circumstances of our actions. But he does save us from the punishment that each of us deserve. The punishment that we deserve when we walk off the path. The punishment that we deserve when we miss the mark of a perfect God. So he saves us from our sins. He also saves us from ourselves. Do you continually live in God's grace? You say, sure I do. What we see is there's a continual war that takes on, takes place in our mind and in our heart every day that we live here on this earth. It is the old self and the new self. Jesus saves us for all of eternity. We have a home and glory we look forward to. He forgives us of our sin. But Jesus coming in human form also helps us to see that we can overcome sin. I think one of the greatest 
deficiencies that I have is self-sufficiency. Jesus came so that we would realize that we can't live life on our own. It's called pride. And so you can live self-sufficiently trying to walk in this world, or you can be saved from yourself and you can follow Jesus, who showed us what life should look like, who continually displays God's great love. And his love is displayed when we start looking at the depth of the forgiveness that we need. We need help. Not just one time forever. We need help every single day. And Jesus has promised to deliver us. The third is to be saved from hopelessness, despair, confusion, and darkness. You may even want to put a lovelessness. Here's a couple questions. How does God view you right now? How has God ever viewed you? Do you think God has ever viewed you as worthless? Do you know that Jesus came, sent by the Father, and that he died for you? Our life has great value. To think that the God of the universe would send his son to die for you and me. And Jesus' death paid the penalty, the full penalty that you and I deserve. In Christ's resurrection, what he not only does is he conquers sin and death, but he also helps us to see that we can overcome. That he will help us continue to live life. And so whatever despair, whatever hardship, whatever struggle that you may be facing right now, when you look at Jesus, the Savior, continually be reminded that even though at Christmas we celebrate his birth, we celebrate Easter too. Because we celebrate the resurrection and the fact that Jesus overcame sin and death. And he will help us overcome anything that he allows to take place in our life. Jesus coming in human form, shows God walking with us, speaking, eating, laughing, crying. Jesus did all that. He was living with us. He demonstrates, Jesus the Savior, demonstrates the great love of God and the lengths that God would go to show us our value and our worth. God wants you. He loves you. And he has a plan for you. Romans 5, verses 1 through 5. When looking at sin and what Jesus has done, Paul writes this. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand it's not a kneeling. It's not a flat on our face. We stand. We stand in this grace and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. 
Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Jesus didn't come to take us away from all trouble. But Jesus came to walk with us, to talk with us, and to show us how to overcome struggles and troubles and hardships. We overcome by loving him, by trusting him, and obeying him. Our greatest goal to walk with Jesus, the one who walked on this earth, who experienced everything that we have. That's our God. That's our Savior. And Paul tells us there's always hope. I won't take the time to look at these up, but we see this as Paul's in prison. We saw it in the book of Acts, but we see it in other places. As Paul is continually put into prison, beaten, scorned, what's his focus? What's his identity? He sees Jesus. He's experienced the hope of Jesus. And so his life is not determined about his circumstances. His focus is upon Jesus, and Jesus is his hope. I think of this as I was reading in my devotions earlier this week about Elisha. Elisha is the man of God, and as uh, an army of enemies comes um, to defeat him and others of Israel, Elisha and his servant were out in the field, and they go to sleep one night, and the next morning they wake up. And Elisha's servant wakes up and he looks out and he sees all this huge army of the enemy. Elisha wakes up and I could just, you can just kind of imagine, here's this bubbly bald guy. We know he's bald because of some other stories which are really cool. You can, uh, you can dig in. The Bible is really cool to read, I promise you. But Elisha wakes up, kind of this bubbly bald guy, and his servant says, hey, haven't you seen what's out there? And, and Elisha's response is, I don't care. It's okay. And so Elisha prays, and he asks God to open the eyes of his servant that he may see what else is going on. And when God does that, he pulls back the scales from the servant's eyes and he sees the armies of God that have surrounded the camp to protect them and to care for them. Sometimes we need to ask God to help us to see, to see like he sees. Sometimes we need to be reminded that there is always hope and that we have a Savior who's always on our side. There's an old Christmas carol. It was actually labeled a Christmas carol in 1872. It's called, In the, in the Bleak Midwinter. And the main phrase that's repeated says this, What can I give to him, poor as I am? 
If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. Yet what can I give him? Give him my heart. The last and final thing that I'll mention today of what Jesus saves us from, he saves us from death. In John 11, John records for us the words of Jesus. John 11, 25 and 26, Jesus said as he's talking to Mary and Martha are there after Lazarus has died. And in verse 25, Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives, believes in me, shall never die. And then he asks this question, do you believe this? This is Jesus for you. He offers you life. And he offers you an opportunity to be delivered from death. We know we've experienced those around us who have died in bodily form. Death is real in this physical form. Jesus is confronting what real death is. Jesus is life, and he is the resurrection of life. And he says, even though someone may die, yet they will live. I'm running out of time. I wish I could give you more. 1 Corinthians 15, 50 through 58 talks about when, when, when we experience the death of someone, but then the life that they have. Paul says it simply in this way. He says, to be absent in the body means to be present with God. To be present with God is life. And so Isaiah 25.8 and Hosea 13.14 also reference this. What does it mean to have life? Jesus said in John 14.19, because I live you also will live because Jesus came. The deliverer came to save us, and because he is alive, we can live. Revelation 1, 17 and 18, Jesus speaks before the uncovering. That's what revelation means. It's a pot that's covered, and he's going to reveal the end times. There's an uncovering. Jesus speaks in the beginning, and he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and ultimately that he has the keys. Jesus, the Savior, the Deliverer, he has the keys to death and Hades. That's our Savior. That's Jesus who came to deliver us to rescue us, to save us. It is not just for eternity, so we can spend life forever in heaven with him. It is also here and now. But don't miss that blessed hope and the peace and the assurance that we can have and our loved ones can have if we trust Jesus to save us from our sin that we have that hope, that death may come in physical form here and now, but our soul, our spirit will live for all eternity in heaven 
with Jesus, with our God. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for loving us. Thank you for saving us. Jesus, we ask that you would work in our hearts. Lord, maybe there is somebody here this morning that needs to pray this. Jesus, save me from my sin. I deserve your punishment, but I ask that you would forgive me of my sin and deliver me from the bondage that it holds over my life. I want to follow Jesus. I want to give him my life. Save me from my sin. Lord, maybe there's another who's sitting here and who would pray this. Save me, Jesus, from myself, from seeking what I want, from seeking to fix the wrongs of this world and trying to do the right on my own. Jesus, save me from trying to live life on this earth under my will and according to my way. Lord, maybe there's somebody here who needs help. They need rescued. Maybe they need to pray, save me, Jesus, from hopelessness. Save me, Jesus, from despair, from the confusion that I'm walking through. Lord, there are some real hard times in our lives. And it is so comforting to know that we have a Savior who has walked in human flesh form, who's experienced all that we're experiencing, who can sympathize who can empathize, who can come along aside and save us. Give us hope, Jesus. Jesus, would you save us for your purpose and for your glory? We thank you for being our Savior, Jesus. And Jesus, we owe you our lives. You've saved us, not to live our lives in the way that we want, but you've saved us so that we would walk the path that you've laid out. Forgive us for failing to walk that way. Help us, Lord, to do as your word has said, to love you with all of who we are, and to love our neighbor as ourself. And in so doing, that the world may see that Jesus is the light of the world, that the light may shine amongst the poor, the weak, the homeless, those who are needy. May we show them love because we've experienced your saving love. May you bless each one that's here. When we think about our lives. May we truly give glory to you for what you are doing, what you have done, and what you will continue to do in our life. 
We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.